this computer and we're going yeah got it friend. yay <laughs> you say you have a disclaimer you, <laughs> you probably should have ran through the disclaimer first but that's no, no 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 so the disclaimer is sorry guys i'm a little high <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys i'm turns out just a little stoned and we're all going to yes we're on that one um <laughs> I, I love doing um empowering <laughs> fun consensual activities you better believe i'm consensually high right now <laughs> <laughs> and proud of it <laughs> i love it okay so we're with the fabulous and hi now we know cameron k love yay i'm so happy to be here <laughs> i love it so much so Cameron, you and I were just talking about like different fun things. And I want to mm. just give you the floor, you know, for people that don't really know you or much about you, um, just have this be a conversation where we get to know you as the beautiful, <laughs> amazing Cameron that you are. So um, if you wanted to just open the floor on maybe a high level, just you and what you want to talk with, then we'll go with the flow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start um, by telling you my destination and that is we will be segueing into talking about grooming because yes. that's what Danya and I are really here to do. Um, but I'll start with, hi, I'm Cameron Allegra King. Um, I am a teeny tiny little director uh, who lives in New York City. I, um, I direct theater. I recently graduated from a BFA directing theater program um, and I have been been back home in in the city of New York for the past year, um, kind of cultivating my craft and working professionally in the industry. And uh, this summer, I have been working truly tirelessly uh, on a bunch of really fun gigs that um, I'm excited to to talk more about, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's me. I, I I'm a child of divorce and a Virgo, and um, I <laughs> I. Uh, okay, so here's what I do in terms of grooming. It wasn't a, wasn't a classic segue, but like hey, this I, is a great I segue. Okay, so I didn't know um, that I I had certain. Let me start again. I got a ball trimmer and it changed my life. A ball trimmer, okay. <laughs> ball trimmer. You're just I, going in. I love yeah, it. Like that's I that has solved problems that I didn't know I had. Okay. And she is made for men, so she's gentle in that way, if you mm. know what I mean. Okay. You know, like men can't men can't do pain in the way that we can. And so it's really, really user friendly yeah. and um, you know <laughs> easy to uh, easy to turn the safety on. Um, Danya, can I pass it over to you? Uh <laughs> yes, I would gladly. So for context by grooming, Cameron, do you mean <laughs> um, like hair removal grooming? Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, cool. So <laughs> just for the, con I know the context, but I'm passing no, 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 it yeah. for everybody. The for our audience. So for our audience, <laughs> um, I will say I personally, ever since I was young, have always waxed. I find <laughs> that it is a very um, weird, strangely relaxing experience if i can say so myself the feeling of wax being applied to your body like very warm and then ripped <laughs> off while it's cold surprisingly you go into shock and like like you go numb and it's a very for someone who feels a lot of things 
it's very nice to be numb every once in a while. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it's, very, it's very calming. So when let's go back to this ball trimmer, though. So, no, 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 no. If anybody is hearing like spooky organ underscoring to what Danya just said, you'd be the world that I'm living in. Because what the fuck are you talking about? It's relaxing. That is... That's like saying like, oh my, like, I'm going to bring wax strips and I will, I will also bring ball trimmer. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Okay. All right. Head to head competition. We'll do head to head competition. (laughs) Anybody else who's still in on this podcast, not listening, um, (laughs) can join our competition too in a non-culty consensual way. Oh my God. But I honestly found that it works because it also lasts longer. So for me, it lasts. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's got to be worth something. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's really not that bad. Um, But uh, on a segue pivot note, can (laughs) you talk about your childhood and your upbringing? (laughs) No, yeah. Let's 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 reverse that clock. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You got it here today. Oh, my God. How we got here. Sure, 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 sure. Um, <laughs> so I was born, um, was born, uh, I, yeah, I was born in New York City I, uh, on September 9th, 1997. Hey, um, my funny. parents got divorced when I was three or four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up as like a very a cultured child of New York City. <laughs> my mom was a ballerina and my dad was a television director, um, but both of them really found their love of what they currently do through theater. Um, and so they were both successful but secret theater nerds. <laughs> uh, and so I grew up going to shows with them and going to to Broadway uh, and off-Broadway and the ballet and the opera and uh, watching my dad direct in TV studios. Um, I was simultaneously going to an all-girls school on the Upper East Side. So it was like very gossip girl, very uh, sheltered, I guess, in a lot of ways. <laughs> and um, lucky privilege and and you know it it had had its quirks and my parents still to this day have a very contentious relationship with one another and who's to say that those activities and all the money spent was a was not a ploy to kind of get me to love one more than the other but trust me you know it worked out in my favor uh um but yeah, I uh, I went to an all-girls private school on the Upper East Side. It was like a really mm. intense environment. And we wore little uniforms and uh, were kind of really discouraged from, I don't know, like sexualized anything. Obviously, that's what growing up is. But like it was really – it was really – awkward for everybody that we were like these tiny girls in porn costumes and they were like trying to deny that we were going through puberty and like wouldn't talk to us about what our instincts were and what that meant and like it was like a really weird thing um and so not because of that but because of a lot of things and the fact that i loved theater so much and felt that i was alone in that in that environment i transferred to uh laguardia high school when uh when you know high school rolled around when i was in ninth grade and that was the coolest decision ever um (laughs) went from a grade of 40 to a grade of 700 yeah it was like it you know all girls who looked like me and these tiny little skirts to 
all people who like had incredible stories that I'd never heard and came from backgrounds that I didn't know existed and like really opened my eyes to mostly my own life and like who I was and how I fit in in this world in a way that like I truly did not register when I was in such a sheltered environment at, at the Hewitt School for Girls. Um, so yeah, I was at LaGuardia High School and it's if it's a, a performing arts specialized New York City public school. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to audition to get in there and there are six majors, everybody chooses one. Uh, and I was a drama major, I was a, an actor. And uh, I got there and I quickly realized that like, oh fuck, like there are, you know, not only so many people of different <laughs> genders and backgrounds, but also like so many people who are so much more talented at acting than I am mm -hmm. and they're, they they live for it. They're fucking great at it. And they are made for a lifestyle of constant rejection. And I realized really, really early on that I'm not made for that lifestyle. I would rather exploit it <laughs> and <laughs> use my friends for their talent um, and put my name on their work. No, it, and I, uh, I I just realized that I, I wanted to be around talented people. And um, I took what my dad did and kind of mixed it with what I loved and found myself in a in a more directorial track in high school. Um, and that meant that I was assistant directing our big musicals and some operas and some galas uh, and really found a rhythm in assisting. Um, I had pretty much that up, up to that point in my life gotten everything I ever wanted. <laughs> um, and I was applying for colleges and knew that like I knew that my number one was Carnegie Mellon. I knew my number two was the University of Michigan and my number three was NYU. And that that just had to do with like reputation and program and nothing to do with like what I felt was best for my growth as a person or like my day to day life um, and ended up telling everybody in my life like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Carnegie Mellon. Like, this is the thing I want and this is the thing I'm going to aim for. Um, and I thought that just by virtue of me wanting it so badly that that meant that I deserved it. And because I deserved it, I would get it. Uh, and I got flat rejected from Carnegie Mellon, <laughs> like fucking like like eight ass, like <laughs> fell flat on my face. Uh, my dad literally had bought merchandise to like bring out to me and he had to like hide it. Like, oh, it was bad. It was bad vibes. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever, you know, significantly not gotten what I wanted. Um, and so that was like a really beautiful <laughs> learning opportunity in a lot of ways. Um, and I ended up going to the University of Michigan. That's where I met uh, Sir Kyle Prue, who is my <laughs> my connection to this lovely, lovely space, uh, space of space. But I transferred from Michigan this kind of this kind of puts a damper on the whole <laughs> on the whole beautiful uh, learning experience of it all because I did transfer from Michigan to Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, know that. That's cool. <laughs> but I, you know, it it I it wasn't a, a thing where I was like, all right, fuck that. Like I'm gonna pull my bootstraps up and um, we're gonna get there somehow. I really tried to give Mich Michigan a chance, but it just didn't work for me. Um, so I did end up at Carnegie Mellon. Did four years there, uh, and. You know had many eye-opening experiences in a place where i thought i would be so nurtured and so educated and so taken care of and just like all the things michigan wasn't i thought carnegie was and like of course when anything you know when anything in your life makes a major transition like that it is both disappointing and eye-opening and everything so you know it uh 
I learned a lot at Carnegie Mellon, a lot, a lot, a lot about myself. Uh, and uh, then I graduated and now I'm a professional person, I guess. <laughs> what, what did you not like about Michigan? Like when you were there, you were like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to give it a try that you were just like, nah, this is not. Yeah. I mean, the, like I said, like the, the thing I was looking at with Michigan was that it, it had a reputation for being number two. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted was to latch onto that reputation. I didn't give a shit about anything else. And so when I got there, I was expecting a, at least a, you know, a high class education. Turns out <laughs> that that number two is really assigned to the musical theater department, which in essence is a totally separate school than the one that I had enrolled in, which was the school of, uh, of fucking theater and acting and drama or some shit. I don't remember the name, <laughs> but you know, it's just not, not musical theater. And though we were in the same building, we had totally different resources, totally different faculty, totally different spaces in which we performed. It was very, very separate. And as someone who was in a grade of not very many, I really couldn't name you every one of the MTs in my grade. Um, MT and so, MT, sorry, meaning musical theater student. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm keeping no, up. No, no, no. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> um, so that was the beginning where I was like, oh, fuck, like, I, I really was fooled here. Um, and I then was kind of shoved into the ensemble of the actors, just because all of the directors their first year take acting classes and movement classes, and that happens to be with the ensemble of the actors. But the things that, thing that we don't have is, is exactly that, is that feeling of ensemble. We are kind of the extras, the add-ons, the adjuncts, the audits. We, we are uh, not a part of the grade, really, though we are a part of the, of the class. Um, and even though directors were the smallest department in the school, there were only 10 of us from freshmen to seniors. We never, I, I never felt like I had a family there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we took pictures on the first day and I never really talked to them again. And sure, like I, I knew the directors in my grade, but didn't really click with them. And so I guess I was craving something a little more rigorous and something a little I don't know, and a a family to belong to, because I really had that at LaGuardia. I really was an actor. I was an acting student. And even though I had interests elsewhere, I was very much a part of the ensemble. Um, And so, yeah, I missed that. And I ended up actually my second semester at Michigan kind of finding a groove and finding professors that I was, you know, ready to work with. And I dove into the student theater scene there and felt uh, like I had a trajectory in that direction. Um, And so the acceptance from Carnegie Mellon was really a bittersweet one. Um, And uh, for something that I had been dreaming of for, you know, my entire high school career, that phone call from Pittsburgh, it came at a time where I was like, oh, no, like, I really don't know if I want this anymore. Mm. And uh, I, yeah, I'll never forget, like, walking back into the rehearsal that I had stepped out of to take that phone call. And the director turned to me and he said, well, I hope it was Broadway. And I was like, you know, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> yeah. um, and it, Were they supportive? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that director specifically, shout out to him, Matt Kunkel. We've stayed, <laughs> <laughs> we've stayed really, really close. And he 
he was a huge turning point in my decision because he was a senior director in the Michigan program. And he said, if I had the choice, I would go. I would go to Carnegie. Um, and so, yeah, that that said a lot. But I had friends and I had a future in Michigan and I had housing and I didn't decide until July 30th of that year that I was going to go to freshman orientation at Carnegie Mellon in, at the end of August. It took me forever. And I, I never said a proper goodbye to any of those Michigan folks. Oh, well, I also feel like you really touched on the point of you appreciating what you have mm-hmm. and then being like, wow, you know, this is what I thought I wanted, but do I actually want that? And, yeah. you know, for me, I had similar, but not, not super similar in the sense that I was going to, I'm from Arizona and I really wanted to go actually to be a journalist. And my passion was in journalism throughout high school. And mm. I applied to like four colleges in California. I, I was going to become a journalist and interviewing celebrities and stars. And this <laughs> is all I wanted. And I was yes. like, amazing. And I had a great ACTs, volunteering, great GPA. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> I was the president of the Spanish National so- Honor Society. Oh my society in my high school. Like, see, I blow Celebraciones. Yeah, see, vamos a hablar español. And <laughs> I just remember I got rejected from four of the four schools I applied to. And huh. I, I went, okay, what schools did I get into? What programs do I want? And one of them I got into was GW in, in DC. And I went, okay, their school of media and public affairs is a great school. Mm-hmm. I can transfer into it because I got into the Elliott school. Well, long story short, um, I did the prereq classes because you had to transfer your second semester. So I trans- I was in Elliott School of International Affairs mm-hmm. and then um, decided to stay because I started my company. And I literally was just there. Like, So what I'm trying to say is like, shit happens. And I needed to be in DC for my company and I needed to you know, figure out everything. I got to plug in my computer because it's about to die. But um, <laughs> on the I- move. Yeah, I'm on the move. But like, yeah, can you talk about like what it was like starting back up in Carnegie? Like, oh my goodness. What what was that? Like transferring, not knowing any, or maybe you didn't, you knew some people, but like, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect segue because I think that like I, like me, Cameron, freshman year of Carnegie, if you had met her, oh my God, you would not have liked her. Like <laughs> I really did not know what I had, you know? And like, I was dreading the whole like, oh my God, we're in college. Like we're away from the home and like, let's like squirt water and, you know, like whatever, like, I don't know what it was, but I just like was so- Where were you going to go? I was going to theater school. (laughs) We did crazy shit. No, but like, I, I just was really averse to repeating all of that, especially because it brought back a time in Michigan where I was like, fuck, I'm, I've made the wrong choice. You know, like, I really don't know if I should be here right now. And that was scary. And so I was like, really not happy or prepared to do the whole, I'm a freshman thing again. So I was like that freshman who like, didn't show up to any orientation activities and like, didn't give a shit. You had to do what? freshman year again. A word, yeah. I had to do freshman year again. Oh, that's that sucks. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, and obviously that was a huge part of the decision for me. Like, do I want to graduate in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? 
and like not graduate with all my f- high school friends and like you know all of that what that meant little did i know the class of 2020 would suffer in other ways <laughs> uh, <laughs> did, you but, um, walk? did you walk in 2021 uh not exactly we oh, we yeah. did like an outdoor masked something but you know we, we had a thing i had a gown and it was better than <laughs> than the alternative <laughs> yeah yes, um, that's true yeah but yeah i just was not excited to to do freshman year again um but the one thing that i did get was a, a directing class and a really rigorous one at that and so immediately i jumped into freshman year at carnegie mellon which like if you haven't heard is similar to waterboarding it is like oh. fucking insane um you know it, it, it's it's just like constant work and and the real difference in the cultures between michigan and carnegie mellon and i quickly realized this was that michigan allows because the education is just not as rigorous allows for student theater student theater allows for practical learning and more importantly i think a culture of doing theater for fun Mm. that totally does not exist at carnegie mellon and so that was the one thing i was really hungry for when i got there was like the people who did theater as a choice not because fuck you know like i've got this crazy assignment doing dramaturgy one in 14 hours and then two hours later i've got to act in a crazy movement piece where i play pinocchio and then half an hour after that i have to cry as hard as i can in front of all of my classmates just to see if i can do it like literally wild shit uh and so like we you know it, it kind of sucks you dry uh pretty immediately and Carnegie's known for kind of uh breaking people down and then building them back up again um mm-hmm. I'd say that that's not untrue but in my specific uh experience and this is not just freshman year but speaking generally our program was was uprooted in the middle of my time there we were given a new head and a whole new faculty just like a whole you know we were guinea pigs for a new system uh, my last two years and so it was like they broke us down and then they left (laughs) oh no so then you were you were just like so after you graduated though what was your first like real official position and what was like your most memorable like producing directing position totally so i mean Oh my God, like all of that torture and anguish of Carnegie Mellon evaporated over the course of like a day, a car ride even. I was so bummed out (laughs) by the time I graduated, just because like, you know, anybody who graduated in 2021, 2020, it blew. It it was rough. I mean, I yeah, I graduated my master's in 2021. Yeah. Like it and like yeah it just totally took away everything we were looking forward to and everything we were building up to and like yeah. what a what a anticlimactic ending um <laughs> yeah it was so anyways yeah and so like i just didn't realize how how much that had weighed on me and i was lucky enough um by some miracle to have a job um I, two days after graduation so i i graduated i packed my shit and over the course of the car ride from Pittsburgh to Sag Harbor, New York, uh, I really felt myself, um, one, hit a deer, but two, start anew. Wait, you actually <laughs> hit a legitimate deer? Yeah, we don't have to go into that part of the car oh ride. Oh my God, no! <laughs> Is the deer okay? No, I'm, um, 
I don't know I about the deer. You're on your way away from the deer. <laughs> so rest in peace. Um, yeah, please continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm driving off into the distance while a deer is dying behind me. And I'm like, I'm starting a new life. <laughs> I took, I sucked the life out of the deer. That's like the reborn, rebirth, like. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so you're starting anew with this life and I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, really sorry, everybody. Like I said at the beginning, I am a little high. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, this deer. That's yeah, for real. Rest in peace, that deer. Um, she, to be fair, she was already like lounging in the middle of the road. So I feel like the situation wasn't good when I got there. Yeah. Um, which gives me a little bit of solace. But yeah, it was a, it was really one th- one of those things that I had to be like, all right. <laughs> We're going. So, do you drove to the job in New York, or where, right? Where was this milestone drive to? Yes, thank you. Thanks for getting me back on track. <laughs> <laughs> keep going um, about this deer, but I want yeah, just like this position. I'm excited. Yeah. So I I was uh, I had booked the a uh, directing. It was like a, what was I last year? I was the resident assistant director. Uh, at a theater called Bay Street Theater out in Sag Harbor, New York, which is in the Hamptons. Um, and it's like a small kind of rinky dink operation, but they bring in really cool people and do some good shows. Last year was more of a modified season where we did um, a show called Becoming Dr. Ruth, a one woman show. Uh, it, we could only have 80 people in the audience, all socially distant and masked and vaccinated. Um, then we did an outdoor show called Wonderwall, hilarious. And then another outdoor show called Camelot. Uh, and I was the assistant director on all of those. And then at the end of the summer, they were like, hey, Cameron, like you did well. Do you want to direct? It was like a very short kind of gala, one day rehearsal tribute to uh, Tony Walton, who is a designer that was married to Julie Andrews for a long time. And both of them came. So I got to direct oh, this thing. Wow. And, yeah, that was amazing. And Julie Andrews came to see it. And I was like, oh, my God. God, I can't even breathe. Um, so that was a really good way to like, you know, that was a nice, comfortable launching pad into my year in New York, um, where I I moved with the Bay Street team on Becoming Dr. Ruth to do that show at a much bigger venue in New York City. And then another theater company that also works at that venue grabbed me and made me uh, their house manager. So I was the house manager at the National Yiddish Theater Volksbühne for uh, The Garden of the Finzi Contini's, which is an opera, and Harmony, which is a new musical by Barry Manilow. And we ended up being a New York Times critics pick. And so that was great. And that was pretty much my year. <laughs> and when when was that? That sounds amazing. That was like March to May. Okay, fantastic. And is that the one I've been seeing a lot of amazing like recognition for your work and what you've been working on? Is that the project that that has been getting all of that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's going to be mostly harmony. I I just opened Windfall. I'm back out here at Bay Street Theater for the summer, um, which was directed by Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. (laughs) And I was his associate, which was so fun. And I saw that picture too. We'll have to yeah, yeah, yeah. that into our newsletter and also with this uh, podcast audio. Um, that is amazing. Okay, so what would you say is something that people don't know about you, like that we haven't talked about yet? Oh my Other goodness. Fabulous collection of tattoos. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, kind of a hard thing to talk about in a, in a podcast. <laughs> um, but gosh, I mean, I'm pretty 
straightforward. I really love theater and that's pretty much it. Um, that's the way to my heart. I love Beatles, like anything old music I'm obsessed with. Um, I, oh, here's something fun. So I, um, when I was like 10, I was in a bathing suit <laughs> and my mom, it's <laughs> a good way to start. Um, and my mom was standing behind me and she was like, uh oh, SpaghettiO, this bitch has scoliosis. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's like 2007, she brings me to the doctor and they're like, no, yeah, for sure. I had such bad scoliosis <laughs> when I was younger um, that I had to do physical therapy, oh. acupuncture, <laughs> uh, what else, uh, gyrotonics, and I had to wear a back brace 23 hours of the day. What, what was that one hour that was for showering? Yeah, for sure that was for showering. Um, and so that was a very formative experience. And say hi, mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hi, Danya's mom. <laughs> um, but the ironic thing is that all of that work, and you know, it was every day after school, I'd be taken to the chiropractor, I'd be taken to the physical therapist, I'd be taken to the doctor. Uh, it none of it worked, <laughs> and I ended up having to get back surgery when I was 13. So it like, they at one point gave me an MRI because my back was twisting so rapidly that they thought that it was like cancerous. But turns out I was just ambitious. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I'll insert a, a photo of my before and after of my back, but I spent a week in the hospital. I had a, I have, I still to this day have a completely fused spine with two rods and a bunch of screws on either side. And my bottom vertebrae is wired to my pelvis and I can't bend my back. <laughs> and that's something you may not know. So right now, like how, what is your flexibility like? Right now, I it, it's you know imagine your spine is made of steel, but titanium, <laughs> <laughs> literally full ass rods. Yeah, wow. How was so that? Like, or was that okay? As like, are you okay? Like, I, I'm great. I mean, the the only thing now is that I see online, and I'm sure that people are gonna be like, "Yep, that's true." Um, that the surgery that I have had is now um archaic. <laughs> No. And mm -hmm, yeah, it turns out they have advanced past the surgery that I got in 2012 or whatever. Yeah, 2012 uh, or 2011. 2011. Uh, and now we've 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 found a way to um, get little girls with straight backs, and they can still bend them and, and shit. So, <laughs> so I am pissed at those 11 year olds who are out there <laughs> getting this new age Gen Z back surgery. Literally, like, <laughs> bully me more, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I got an old-fashioned titanium back. <laughs> well, that sounds amazing. Uh, do you have any trouble going through TSA? I don't, but I do have a tiny little card in case I go off. In case I go off. <laughs> um, that's really fascinating. What would you say also, what was your first tattoo that you got? And what's your favorite tattoo? Ooh, okay. So my first tattoo. Um, describe it because we're posting just the audio, but I'll yeah, look at it. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I can, yeah, and I'll definitely, I'll include pictures. Okay. 
but my first tattoo is on the outside of my right ankle. Uh, it is a bagel, a toasted sesame bagel with extra cream cheese. <laughs> um, and I was 19 and I was in LA with my boyfriend at the time. And we were like, you want to be crazy? <laughs> and I was like, let's do it. And we were like, okay, we're going to get these teeny weeny little baby tattoos. Literally, like we brought in coins to be like, I don't want it to be any bigger than a quarter. And you'll see the pic. But when I say that this boy is. Oh, I love it. <laughs> thank you. It is much bigger than a quarter. Say, that's a little bigger than a quarter. <laughs> yeah, I'd call it more the size of, I don't know, a box of matches maybe even <laughs> larger i'd say a large box of matches um but yeah i really love it it's it's uh it's aged <laughs> since then um and he ended up getting a, a bowl of ramen noodles so we to this day though long broken up have have kind of <laughs> have not matching but um referencing tattoos and here's a funny little side story um i was at a it was like an event probably a, a year ago if that and i saw a bunch of michigan people that i hadn't seen since i went there and this this ramen noodle boyfriend happened to be from michigan so a girl comes up to me and she was like oh my god this is the, you know here's my new guy introduced me to this guy and she was like she's the one who has the bagel tattoo and I was like, oh, haha, yeah, like, yeah. I, I like pulled my sock down and I showed him. And this complete stranger who had been prepped very unfairly, I guess, <laughs> goes and turns to me and he goes, well, my God, thank God there's tattoo removal. Am I right? <gasps> no. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, was yes, sir. What? Who was this guy? He was the, like, the date of a girl who was familiar with like the origin story of my tattoo and so clearly what uh -huh. she had said was like oh you know like these two crazy kids got matching tattoos and they've since broken up and this guy complete stranger was like damn well <laughs> that was a mistake <laughs> i mean i love it so what would you say is your favorite tattoo though my favorite tattoo is probably i've got snake vertebrae around my left oh, arm um, thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll include a pic. And that's that's actually for my scoliosis because I have an S curve and my spine, if uh, if you're looking at it, looks a lot like a snake. <laughs> so that's what it's for. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, Cameron, I love talking with you. You're a queen. Oh, you're um, a queen. Uh, in terms of like how people can connect with you, like is there anything that you need support on from the community or anything that someone can just hit you up and be like, Hey, I'm X, Y, Z. Like, Oh my goodness. Well, I'll say like, if you ever, I don't know if like, you're not a creative person and you need just like a creative eye on anything, I'm your go-to gal. Like I just am very specific and picky and I've got an aesthetic that, um, you know, very much factors into what I do. And if you're interested in, in just creative consult, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, <laughs> I am, if anyone knows of anyone who wants to date me also. <laughs> Give me some metrics on that. Like age, what's your type? Sure. Um, honestly, I, so this is disturbing. If you were to look at the bracket of people I've dated, you'd be you'd be like, oh, Cameron, like they all come from the same 
family? Like what <laughs> happened with you? I think when I was like, I, I, I don't know, something happened when I was too young that everybody I fuck has to look like a beetle now. Like truly like they've got to be, yeah, correct. Animal. Correct, correct, okay. correct. Like they've got to be a John, a Paul, a George, or Ringo. And anything in between, but nothing beyond. Okay, so if anyone knows John, Paul, mm -hmm. Ringo. Mm -hmm. Or George, I'll take a George. Or George, or George too, excuse me. <laughs> I don't mean to be a George excluder here. Yeah, thank you. Um, we are not discriminating on that. Is there an age range of these Beatles that we like? You know, uh, just, I'd say a 25 plus. 25 um, plus, okay. 25 plus, yeah. No upper <laughs> limit. No upper yeah. limit on these Beatles. Yeah, and it. here's not to say that a Beatle can't be a lady also. Hey. 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 <laughs> um, that's amazing. So I don't want to end on that. Because I feel like I'm <laughs> to be like, let's have it be like, what's an ask for the community? But I guess if anybody knows of a... Beatles, now you heard it here, of a, a strong, independent individual, um, hit, hit Cameron King up. So Cameron, yeah. I'm going to give you the last word on anything to say, just to hype yourself of like what you're working on or um, how people can find you, connect with the amazing, fantastic Cameron Allegra King. Oh, my word. Um, well, I, uh, I would say that if you're ever in the New York City area, come and find me and specifically if you're in the new york city area from august 25th to august 27th i've got a show going up out here in the hamptons and you're welcome to come and do a little day trip spend a beach day and maybe come see my show it's called indian summer and uh i think it's gonna be fun <laughs> well maybe we can make a space meetup somewhere around there during that time Oh my God, I would love that. And thank you, Donya, for being the best and most amazing cult leader I know. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure. And I'm so thankful that you're in my community slash cult. So not cult community. <laughs> um, Cameron, I love you so much. I'm going to end the audio here. You heard it here. Thanks, Cameron. Um, and thank you everybody for listening.